0: Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to the disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the sons of man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, There he is, or here he is. Do not run after them. For the Son of Man in his days will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the sons of man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given up in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, but the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down on heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on his housetop with possessions inside should go down and get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life We'll preserve it. This is the word of the Lord for us.
1: Good morning, MCA. What a joy it is to be together, to be in God's house, to see summer has arrived. Uh, My family is uh, freshly back from vacation, and so we are kind of that that uh, weird combination of exhausted and rested at the same time, <laughs> uh, but grateful to be with you guys today and excited because we are starting a summer sermon series. So you know we've been working our way through Genesis. Uh, Jeremy preached last week that kind of concluded the life of Abraham when we saw Isaac on the scene. We're going to come back to, the, to, those, to, the, to Genesis later in the year, but for the summer we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. So We're not going to be able to go verse by verse through the entire book of Luke, but we are going to be doing a 10-week series that's really a snapshot of God's kingdom advancing in the book of Luke. And so what is uh, on the agenda for this morning is really kind of an introductory sermon about the gospel of Luke. And so we're going to be in a bunch of different places in the book of Luke this morning, kind of jumping around, looking at major themes, looking at what is, what is something for us as we consider uh, this gospel and even the first four verses as an introduction uh, that God has for us today. So that's, that's kind of the goal of this morning is to kick us off on our summer series in the book of Luke, and then we can look forward to the remainder of the summer um, with various passages and texts from the book of Luke. So... Um, Let's begin by establishing that Luke, as a book in the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, is actually part of a two-volume set in the New Testament. The first is Luke, and the second is Acts. So, Luke is kind of part one with Jesus. Acts is kind of part two, uh, written, of course, by, the, by this person named Luke. Luke. Uh, Interesting for our young people and our coaches who are part of Bible quizzing. This is the material that they are going to be quizzing over for the next three quiz seasons. We heard that at the end of last year. So in the winter time, we're part. Uh, MCA is part of our local uh, Wayne County Bible Quiz League, and uh, so the. The League announced at the end of last year for the next three seasons, it's the Gospel of Luke as well as the Book of Acts. And so uh, for young people like middle school, high school age, uh, we love to see you doing Bible quizzing. We're always welcome, uh, welcoming more people into that. And this is the material you guys are going to be studying. It's never too soon to start studying and preparing for Bible quizzing. So um, let, let's uh, talk about this uh, author who wrote these books, whose name is Luke. And he was a physician we know. He is a guy who went with Paul on his missionary journeys. And you think about Paul and how often he got in scrapes and he got, in, he got flogged and he got beaten and he got in trouble. How helpful it would have been to have a doctor on the trip to help bandage your wounds and to help with all of those sort of issues. And so uh, Paul actually mentions this guy, Luke, in several of his different letters like Colossians and 2 Timothy and Philemon. Luke has a really interesting writing style. It's hard hard to do a study um, in his writings of Luke or Acts without noting that his writing style is really significantly, maybe even more unique than any others in the New Testament. He writes with really kind of the highest level of sophistication. You could say education. His is a unique style. It is considered the most sophisticated in the Bible. We see more medical terms in Luke's writing than we see from Hippocrates, who was a Greek physician. Of, he's known as the father of medicine. So, more medical terms are in the Bible, in Luke's writing, than that from the father of medicine, this Greek named Hippocrates. An example is Luke 14, two. Luke says, a man is suffering from uh, hudropikos. Uh, some versions say swelling, some say edema. It's a medical term. It's, he says hudropikos. So, uh, here's what I want to do. Let's open our Bibles. Let's turn to Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, and uh, let's read the first four verses together. This really serves as the introduction for this particular gospel. He says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Luke says that he's going to write an orderly account of the gospel. And from what I've already shared, you go, okay, I believe that. He, he, is, a, he is a guy who has precision. He is a guy who thinks in terms of categories. And so... Um, we understand that although Luke himself was not an eyewitness to, uh, to Christ and was not himself a follower of Christ uh, in the flesh, he has heard these true stories. He has heard these accounts. And under the direction of the Holy Spirit, he's writing them down. And he addresses it to Theophilus. Theophilus, we don't exactly know who that is from history. We just know that the name Theophilus means lover of God, lover of God, kind of cool, because when you hear these stories and the good news that, that he shares in the gospel account, the good news of Jesus, uh, each person becomes a Theophilus, each person responds to God's great love to us by responding in love, and so we don't know who this particular person was, but in some ways I want to encourage us all to be a Theophilus. That as we hear the gospel, we fall even more in love with Christ. And he tells us right there in verse 4, so we're in Luke chapter 1, his reason for writing the gospel account. He says, so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. The certainty. That as we hear the good news of Jesus, as we hear the gospel, it gives us hope as an anchor for our soul, as we know from Hebrews. He gives us hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. And so he says he wants us to know, all who read this gospel account, to know with certainty of the things that we have been taught. An interesting theme in the book of Luke is the kingdom of God. We see this phrase as Luke writes, the kingdom of God. We see it more than any of the others. In fact, it's, it's in the gospel of Luke more than the other three gospels combined, uh, 32 times, according to my count. We see the kingdom of God mentioned in the Gospel of Luke. Matthew, Mark, and John use it a total of 22 times. And here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 4. He says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God because that is why I was sent. And so we understand that as part of God's master plan of salvation, he sent Jesus. The living embodiment, the incarnation of God himself to not only teach, but to demonstrate God's great love for us. This good news that Jesus coming really announces God's reign on the earth. He came to earth with this good news. And we're no longer slaves to sin. The human condition, the predicament that each person finds themselves in, where we mess up and we sin and we do wrong, which separates us from God. And Jesus comes bringing the solution, bringing the rescue. No longer do we have to be slaves to sin. We can be set free. Why? Because of Jesus. And so this is the a major theme that we see in the Gospel of Luke is God's kingdom. Um, Jesus said that he not only came to announce it, but to bring God's kingdom. So We have this teaching from Luke chapter 17. You can turn there if you'd like. We'll look at verses 20 and 21. It says, Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The, kingdom of, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is is in your midst. So when Jesus came, he ushered in God's kingdom in a real way, a practical way. We could even say a tangible way. The kingdom of God came through Christ as the full embodiment of God the Father. So Jesus helps us understand what God the Father is like. When Jesus showed up, walked the same earth that we walk, he helps us to understand what our invisible, unseen, heavenly father is like. It reminds me of the story I heard from the Sunday school teacher. And they were drawing on bits of paper and a little girl is writing. And the teacher says, what are you drawing? And she says, I'm drawing a picture of God. (laughs) And the teacher says, oh, silly, no one knows what God looks like. And the girl doesn't miss a beat. She says, they will in a minute. (laughs) Jesus helps us to see and to understand more fully what God, our Heavenly Father, is like. And God's kingdom, ushered in through Christ, is still advancing. It's still growing. And you know, want to know the exciting part? Is he invites each and every one of us to join in. He invites each and every one of us to be a part of his kingdom as it grows, as it advances. And check this out, Luke twelve thirty-two. Jesus says, your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Now, we have to be cautious there. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that you and I are now in charge. God doesn't run things we do. That's not, the, we have to be cautious here. But Jesus is very clearly saying, you have a part to play. You have a role in this. You are included in God's kingdom. He wants to not only serve you and rescue you, but he wants to then use you, empower you, and equip you to be a blessing to others as well. So he says there, your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So uh, over the next several weeks, over this summer, as we study this gospel, we are going to hear more about God's kingdom. Again, it's, it's repeated really throughout the... This gospel we hear a lot about god's kingdom. So we'll hear more about that in coming weeks, but for this morning as I was considering book of luke as a whole these first four verses as an introduction The letter written to theophilus the lord did put a specific word on my heart For our church family and for you individually and that word is grow It's like he's he's challenging us that god's kingdom is a kingdom that grows And as his people, then, we are to be people who are also growing. And so I want to issue this challenge to us this morning. God's kingdom is growing. God's people are growing. And when we live in the kingdom of God, our influence in the world is growing as well. So let's turn to Luke chapter 13. Jesus really tells a a very specific parable about God's kingdom and growing. If we go to Luke chapter 13, verse 18. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? He says, It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air perched in its branches. Jesus compares the kingdom to the mustard seed, which then grows into this very large plant. And and here's the power of the illustration, and that is that the mustard seed was known as the smallest seed. Itty-bitty tiny. But it grows large enough when it's planted, when it's in good soil, when it's gotten the water and the sunlight that it needs, it grows to be large enough for birds to perch in its branches. Start small. But experiences tremendous growth. I tried to do some research on mustard trees. This I did, I was able to bring one image uh, verifying this is. I think this was the. Was this the black Mediterranean mustard? I, it, it was hard to. It was hard to actually get a, a lot of. I'm not a botanist, and mustard seeds planted that grow aren't actually considered trees in most in most cases, Um, but I I was able to bring a picture of what I verified to be a a mustard plant or tree and you can see it, it grows big enough that, yeah, a bird could build its nest there. And so here's what's powerful about the illustration is it's something that starts small, but it grows bigger and bigger and bigger over time. It flourishes. It expands. You even think about what this tree would provide in a hot, arid, uh, desert, rocky, craggy landscape, shade, respite, Some, something that's helpful, something that stands out uh, amidst the landscape. So there are, there are a lot of analogies we could go to for this beauty uh, of God's kingdom as a mustard seed. And of course, Jesus uses the mustard seed illustration in other places too. That that kind of, for for those of us who've grown up in Sunday school and church circles, that kind of rings a bell for us. Like he tells the disciples, if only you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains, you can see miracles. And so uh, we we don't want to miss the image here this morning as we're talking about God's kingdom and the fact that it's a growing kingdom, is that something small and weak can grow into something strong and powerful. And I love the verse from Isaiah 61 that says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the Lord. And you think about the person who puts their trust in Jesus. And your roots begin to grow down deep into the Lord and in his word. And no storm can uproot you. And you will stand strong. And so there's a great illustration there. As you're part of God's kingdom, you're growing and flourishing, but you're also rooted. You're firm. You're secure. You're in Christ. And so the mustard seed really serves as an an example of uh, that kind of growth as well as being rooted in the Lord and in his his word. So I want to just ask the question to us this morning. Do we want to be a mustard seed kind of (laughs) church? You know, do we we want to be the kind of church that says, okay, the Lord might have planted us in Fredericksburg, Ohio, which doesn't have a lot of notoriety, but he wants us to flourish in this place. He wants us to grow. He wants us to make an impact in our world, and he wants, by the goodness of Jesus in our lives, he wants us to grow, that we could be a shade and a respite to others, and that our roots would just continue to grow deep in him. And so... Uh, This morning, I want to challenge us with three things. If we want to be a mustard seed church, three things I I think we need to be growing in. The first is to be growing in our love for God. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Church is not a building. MCA is not a religious social club. It's not just a a place to come to spend your Sunday mornings, to connect with friends, to hear a nice song. It's not a place where you can uh, volunteer and check that off of your religious to-do list. The, the church is a body, a group, living, breathing souls who love Jesus. And who are banded together around a common vision and common purpose. And so, in that, we grow in our love for God. And that is really the, the, uh, the thing about the church. Is that God loves us, and we respond by loving God in return. We live under the reign of God. We are desperately seeking God. It makes us different from the world. It's that we know, we proclaim, we live the truth that there is a God, and it's not just a, a, an intellectual assent to say, "Oh, the man upstairs." It is, well, the words of Jesus. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that's the first challenge for us this morning to be growing in our love for God. Remember, this book was written to Theophilus, the lover of God. That should be a nickname for all of us. (laughs) I would would love it if that were my nickname. You should aspire for that to be your nickname too. Oh, she's quite a Theophilus. She loves the Lord. And you know she loves the Lord with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so, the question is very simple for us this morning. If we want to be a mustard seed church, are we growing in our love for God? Of course, one of the ways for you to test that in your own heart and mind, in your own walk with Christ is, are you enjoying time spent with the Lord? Do you look forward to connecting with God? I want to read his word. I want to spend time with him in prayer. I want to serve him. I I delight in nothing more than to sit at his feet and listen or or bear my burden, you know, share my burdens and, and have the Lord know he hears me and cares for me. That's one way for you to ask yourself this morning, am I growing in my love for the Lord? Are you looking forward to spending time with him? Are devotions more just like a daily chore? I know I need to do this. I should do this. Yep, I did it. It's been said many times how silly it would be for a spouse to say to their husband, you know, to, their, to their spouse. A wife says to her husband, like, um, I love you, but I'm really busy this week. What do you mean you're busy this week? I just don't have any time for you. I love you, but this is just, this is a, it's two, three weeks where I've got a lot going on. No, of course not. The husband says, what do you mean? You say you love me. I want to take you out on a date. I want to sit down with you. I want to hold your hand. But how many times do we do the same thing to God? Oh, I love God, but I'm a little too busy right now to spend time with God. Are you growing in your love for the Lord? And in the quietness of your own heart in this moment, confess before him, oh God, I want to grow in my love for you. No one's called me a Theophilus. No one said to me about me, oh, he loves the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And at church, I don't want to guilt trip us this morning. I don't want to just say, you should do it because behavior modification is the way to get into heaven. Of course not. God loves you. <laughs> God sent his one and only son. We saw this just last Sunday. We saw this really beautiful graphic depiction of Isaac willing to, uh, uh, rather, Abraham willing to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac, on the mountain. And a pic, that's a picture of what God did through giving Christ. And so I, I'm not trying to guilt trip you this morning and say, you need to do this, that, or the other. You're not going to impress God with your good deeds. You're not going to disappoint God by your mistakes. He knows you inside and out. What I want to encourage you in is there is an amazing God who loves you, who knows you, who calls you by name. And if you're anything like me, you, you, you make the mistake of, I fill my life with noise and busyness, and I shut out God. And so I urge you, I implore you this morning to just quiet your heart to slow down your life, to build into it rhythms to connect with God because you will find it life-sustaining, life-giving, and you will find your heart growing in love for your creator. So if we want to be a mustard seed church, we will be growing in our love for the Lord. Jesus does say in John fourteen twenty three, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And you begin to realize the one who loves God has a way of taking the wise path and making the right decision. And you go, how does that work out? Not that there's suffering, there's struggle. But it's because we obey Christ and he wants us to have an abundant life and a, and a full life. And so we grow in our love for the Lord. We listen and follow obediently in the places where he leads us. Okay, let's move on to the second area that I want to challenge us to grow in. And that is growing in our service to others. Growing in our service to others. He calls us then out of our love for him to extend that to those around us. And this starts with Jesus who said that he did not come to be served but to what? Somebody help me. And to give his life what? Thank you. It starts with Jesus. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And so as his followers, we say the exact same thing. No, no, no. I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve. I'm here to lay down my life as my Lord did. I'm here to get down on the floor and wash dirty feet as Jesus did. That's the heart attitude of followers of Jesus. And we need to be growing in our service to one another. Not just when it's convenient for me. Not just uh, because I think it's then going to make me look good. Like, hey, uh, get the photo op. Post it on, you know, social media. But a heart that's growing in service to others. That we long to care for one another. We long to put the gospel on display. Of course, for this reason, ours has been called the upside-down kingdom. The upside-down kingdom. We know the way the world works. You get rich. You you get promotions. And what happens is the number of people above you that you report to gets smaller and smaller. The number of people below you that serve you gets larger. That's the way the world works. But the kingdom of God is the upside-down kingdom. As we just said, where Jesus, who is supreme, who is king, who is Lord, who is fully God and fully man, chose to take on the nature of a servant, humbled himself, even laying down his life. And what a shame when his followers are too proud to serve others. And again, to our youth mission team, we are proud of you guys. Lakota, we're excited for all God has in store this week. Go with a heart of humility to serve and lead our young people in that same way. That's the heart of Jesus, growing in our desire and service to one another. I jokingly say that Luke 7, 28 is my favorite Bible verse. (laughs) You guys have heard this before. If you look there, you'll see why. Jesus says, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. (laughs) Now, of course, he's talking about John the Baptist, which my mom always told me I was named after. No, she said it was more John the Beloved. Thankfully, the verse doesn't end there. And I say this all in jest, that this is my favorite verse. Thankfully, it doesn't end there. Now, here was one of the most powerful and influential people uh, among humanity, and Jesus says so. Like, he's, he's one of the greatest that ever lived. But there's a but in there, or in the NIV, it's, as it's yet. Yet, or but, Jesus says, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. <laughs> John's the greatest, he says, but there's a really big caveat there, and it's the one who's least. The one who assumes that lowly position, the one who washes the feet of others, the one who humbly serves, he says, they're actually greater than John. And of course, what Jesus is teaching is, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, and he had, a, he had this uh, time in Matthew chapter 20 where a couple of his disciples come to him and they say, we want to be great in your kingdom. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't say, how dare you want to be great in my kingdom? He listens to them and he says, okay, you want to be great? Listen up. Here's how you do it. Become a servant of all. Some translations say slave. It's not a bad translation. Be a slave to other people. Pour yourself out on behalf of others. He says, "Then you'll be great in my kingdom." He says here, "Then you'll be greater than John." Luke 7:28. "Then you're greater than John." If you're a servant, if you're one of the least, and listen, when we serve one another, within the body of Christ especially, we are to serve and care for and love one another. We just did a series this spring, right? On one anothering. When we do that, it produces unity. And you and I both know that a kingdom divided cannot stand. And so in the local church, as we serve one another, what it does is it provides us unity. We are galvanized. We are... We are Closer, we are tighter. Why? Because God needs us laser focused on our vision if we're going to be successful in sharing the life giving power of Jesus with the world. And so we humbly serve one another. When we don't see eye to eye, when we have disagreements, we talk it out, we ask forgiveness, we restore, we reconcile, and we get back on mission. Are we growing in our service to one another? If we want to be a mustard seed kind of church, that's what we're going to do. It's our calling card, John thirteen thirty five. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Okay, there's a third challenge for us this morning. We've talked about growing in our love for God, growing in our service to others. Uh, there's a final challenge, as the Lord put this word on my heart for us this morning. Are we going to be a mustard seed church? If so, we're going to be growing in our mission to share Jesus. Well, how does the kingdom of God grow? Well, lots of ways. <laughs> it grows when moms and dads have babies and teach them the good news of Jesus. It grows when you get free of addiction and start walking in the freedom of Christ. It grows as you serve others, as you grow in love for others. It, it, the kingdom of God grows as we are faithful to what God has entrusted to us. It also grows when we share the gospel with those who don't yet believe. The kingdom grows in a very visible way when unbelievers hear the good news and respond. So what do we do? We share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. That's our vision. That's what God has told us to do in this place. And so that's what we do. And I'm not saying this is just the work of our missionaries. This is not just the work of our pastors. This is the work of each and every one of us. To share the good news, to be growing in our mission, to share Jesus. And so, if we go to Luke chapter 9, we see in verse 2, Jesus sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. And you could do a real deep dive there. We don't have time this morning on, well, wait a minute. Did they go to seminary first? <laughs> wait a minute. What, what sort of education did these people have? Like the, When Jesus sends them out, like what kind of course had they gone through? Well, they heard the good news of Jesus. (laughs) They responded in faith, and Jesus said, now go tell everyone else. And you go, well, that's not really the system we have in place today. It's not the system we have in place, but the principle remains that he sent them out, and he is sending us out as well. He is sending us out as heralds of the gospel. Our mission is to make disciples We do that by sharing with them the good news of Jesus. We go forth building God's kingdom. The Greek word is ekklesia. Do you see ekklesia in your Bible? Do you know how it's translated in English? Church. Literally means the called out ones. Not the ones huddled together. Yes, we gather to be encouraged and to be equipped. But then we are the called out ones. We are sent forth. To join the ranks of god's kingdom to be included means that we are sent out on mission for christ Although it has been said That god doesn't have a mission for the church But he has a church for his mission Let me say that again God doesn't have a mission for his church He has a church for his mission When we respond to Jesus and we listen to what he is saying, we will hear him calling us. Go forth. Share the gospel. Live life on mission for me. Luke, of course, says it really clearly in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He records the words of Jesus when he said, You will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, sometimes we just think that the mission field is overseas, don't we? (laughs) We think of missions and we go, oh, far off places. Heathen countries where there are pagans and savages. No, I want us to recalibrate that. Because did you catch what Jesus said there where you will be my witnesses starting in Jerusalem? The people right here. So, yes, our Jerusalem is Fredericksburg. That that we are called to be missionaries right here in our local community. And our mentality, our approach, and this is just talking like church church, (laughs) historically, has been this very attractional model where it's like we're just going to do church and we're going to do church here and we're going to do it our way. And if anyone's interested, why then we'll open the door and welcome them in. Uh, Some churches probably didn't even do a great job of that. But we've got to shift in that paradigm to say, yes, of course, we gather. And if you're interested, you're welcome to come. We can, and I want to encourage you, in, invite your friends to join us. But we need to shift that paradigm into thinking, God is sending me into my family and workplace and neighborhood, into my school, because I am one who is living on mission for him in those places. And so our mentality begins to shift, that we want to meet people where they are. We are the people of a sending God. He sent Jesus to us. He sends out his disciples in scripture and he does the same thing for you and I. And we have opportunities all around us. You have people in your life. You probably have neighbors who don't know Jesus. Don't don't assume just because someone lives in Wayne and Holmes County, just because someone is a good old red-blooded American, that they've heard the good news of Jesus, that they're responding in faith, that we're walking with them. So Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses, and it's going to be starting right here in Jerusalem. Berlin, Walnut Creek, Mount Hope. Maybe even Worcester. Just kidding. (laughs) You will be my witnesses, he says. And so will we... Be a mustard seed church that says, you know what? I'm not really good as an evangelist. And I get a little bit nervous when when it comes to talking about Jesus. But I want to do what God tells me to do. And so no matter where I go, I'm going to prayerfully say, okay, Lord, use me. And maybe it's through my actions or maybe it's through my words. I I remember the cool stories that arose uh, a couple years ago. Um, Families who were like, We heard the evangelism tactic of we're out to eat at a restaurant and we're going to pray. And we asked the waitress, how can we pray for her? Remember that? Those were little itty bitty mustard seeds that you were planting. And what does God do? He causes them to grow and to flourish. And so let's, let's grow in our mission to share the good news of Jesus. Let's live with eternity in view. Because if we care, and we heard it from our scripture reading this morning, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back and at that point, it's going to be too late to say, oh, wait a minute. I think I better find a church and plug in and hear about the good news. It's we're going to stand before the judge. Did you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Did you call on him on the name of the Lord? Yes or no. And so, friends, there's an urgency in our mission and in our task. And so we live with eternity in view. Let's remember what we learned from Abraham a few weeks ago, where the Lord says, Do not be afraid. The Lord is your shield and your very great reward. And so we view earthly temporary things very differently. We live with a kingdom mentality. But so often our priorities are out of whack. You know, when we're thinking about our reputation or when we're thinking about our own desires and wants. And what happens when our priorities are out of whack is there are consequences. When you miss an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus and you go, man, I'm really kicking myself. That's the sting of kind of regret. But what about in that person's life? When the Lord aligned you and directed you into their path and you didn't come through. There are consequences when we fail to act as God causes us to do. When we have misunderstandings in the church. We have these disagreements and all of a sudden we decide we're going to allow this to cause division. We're going to allow hardship and hard feelings. To creep up. There are consequences to that. Because we're no longer people unified and on mission. And doing what God has called us to do. We're focused on the wrong things. Probably the most common one as, as I talk with people. Is being afraid. Like when it comes to evan- evangelism specifically. is The most common thing that I hear from you all. From people right here in this room. It's like, I'm just kind of scared. I'm just kind of scared to, to bring up Jesus. Like, I'm not sure how to do it, and it feels awkward. And I'm just kind of, I, I don't know what to do. And so I want to just recognize that and address that. Is like, yeah, that, I, I hear you. That can be scary. The question then becomes, are, are you going to allow your fear to keep you from God's mission? Because I think a lot of times that's what it leads to is, so therefore I'm not going to share about Christ. Therefore I'm not going to grow in advancing God's mission by communicating the word of God. Or will we say, I might be afraid, but the consequences are too great. The urgency is real. Jesus is coming. And so Lord, would you help me? Because I don't want to see people lost. I don't want to see people desperate. I want to share the life-giving power of Jesus. So don't choose your own comfort, your own convenience, your own luxury over obedience to the Lord. I'll close this morning with a a story from the headlines a few years ago, a a tragic story, true story, of a young man. He was flown into the desolate northern uh, region of Alaska. He was there to uh, take photographs of the natural beauty and the breathtaking landscape, and so the young man had taken along supplies for several months, and he did great. He was all by himself. He stayed healthy. He stayed strong. He was getting amazing pictures. He was he was enjoying his time out there. But he had made one fatal flaw. He didn't make plans for departure. And so there he is in Alaska, and his supplies begin to dwindle, and he's wondering, is anyone going to come back for me? I don't think I made that arrangement. We actually know something of his story through the journals that he kept. He was an avid journaler. And of course, then as the months pass by, his wonder turns into a nightmare. He realizes that he's alone and he's trapped and he doesn't have what he needs. He's lonely, he's scared, he doesn't think he's going to make it home. In one entry, he wrote in his journals, I think I should have used more foresight about arranging my departure. And sure enough, he died. He lasted six months alone in the Alaskan wilderness. He prepared for like a year For this experience. And you think. He prepared so much. For this experience. Why did he not prepare. For his departure. How could he have overlooked that. It was foolish obviously. And it cost him. It cost him dearly. But we do the same thing. When we are so spiritually short sighted. That we say. I'm just going to choose comfort. And luxury and convenience. I'm not going to help others to prepare for eternity. I'm not going to take that final step needed. Or maybe you're here today and you haven't put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You haven't made that final step preparing for eternity with him. How foolish. Here's what the scriptures say in Hebrews chapter 9. Verses 27 and 28. It says, Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So there's good news that awaits those who believe, there's torment. That awaits those who don't. Jesus is coming again. He's going to come back reigning as victorious king and conqueror. Will we help others to be ready for his return? Let me close this morning with Psalm 145. It says, The Lord is good to all, He has compassion on all He has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. So that all people, the psalmist says, so that all people might know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. And so, church, as we begin this study in the book of Luke, may we know, as he wrote in verse four, with certainty with certainty, the things that we've been taught. And may we become like a Theophilus, loving God and growing in our service to others and growing in our outreach to the world as we embrace what Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that you have seen fit to reach into our predicament to help us and to rescue us. And Lord, that changes everything. We now have hope. We now have experienced grace. We have tasted and seen that you are good. And so Lord, we cling to you this morning with grateful hearts for all you've done. Lord, I pray that we would be a mustard seed church. That we would grow, Lord, to be the people that you cause us to be. That we would flourish and thrive in our Families and households and marriages and right here in this place, but we would also then lord be that mustard tree That provides a shade and a respite that beckons others to come and find the living water that is christ Lord, we know that you can accomplish this That we are your stewards. So we humble ourselves before you Thankful for who you are and for what you're doing and we pray it all in jesus name. Amen